Hello. We're here today with Amy Siegfried. How are you? I'm well, thank you for having me. Good, good. So we'll just start off, tell us a little about yourself, you know, get the, the listeners uh, a little sneak peek at uh, who Amy Siegfried is. Oh, that's a that's a onion. Um, I, Amy Siegfried, I'm uh, a native of Las Vegas, Nevada, not New Mexico. Um, I moved to Oklahoma about six, almost seven years ago, and I'm the co-founder of a company called Last Night's Game. We are a sports media company that covers sports for people who know nothing about them but need <laughs> to talk about them in social situations. So we have a podcast, a reader-driven content on our website, and a tri-weekly email publication that comes out. Nice. So um, short version of uh, of me. I don't really know actually. So I'm a, <laughs> a sister, a mother, a wife, and... I like orange, so it works out well that I'm here at OSU. Go Pokes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did you, what What made you want to move to Oklahoma? Well, we moved here for my husband's job. Okay. So we lived in, we we met in Phoenix, then we moved to Singapore. Wow. And then we moved from Singapore to to Tulsa uh, for his job. Wow, some big change-ups there. It was just a little bit different, a little yeah. bit different. Yeah. Um, well, happy you're here at OSU now. Go Pokes, always. Thank bleed, you. bleed orange through and through. Um so you're a huge sports fan, obviously. Um, what what kind of got you into sports? Well, it's actually really interesting. I was a terrible athlete. Hmm. I played. I was a dancer, and then I played soccer one for one season, and I was probably about ten or twelve, and it was kicked in the face, and I cried almost every game. <laughs> and my mom said, eh, "Maybe you should just go back to dancing. It's probably yeah. more of your speed." And so the reason I know as much as I do about sports is because my brother played every sport imaginable, yeah. and so I had to learn. I had no choice. I was sitting at roller hockey games and football and basketball at rugby games. I mean, all those things where I have no idea what was going on, but I had to figure it out. So yeah. that way, at least I could support him and cheer him on. Yeah. So I kind of had to learn. It was a learned love. And then when I went to work in Major League Baseball, it helped just a little bit to have an idea what was going on. That's very funny you say that. My sister was the exact same scenario. She was a dancer, tried a couple other sports, softball and soccer, and hated it. But she's been my biggest fan in, in my sports that I've done for, for years. See, that's uh, what siblings do, right? Exactly. We, tell, we have to take exactly. care of each other somehow. Yeah. And so you worked for the Arizona Diamondbacks for a bit. Correct. Um, how was that? It was great. You know, so I um, I actually learned about the job at the internship when I was in college. I was a member mm -hmm. of a PRSSA, which is the Public Relations Student Society of yeah. America. And our, the PR guy from the Diamondbacks came in and brought, who was to be my my boss, uh, in to talk about what they do mm -hmm. and sort of, you know, I mean, you guys are all there. You think, what am I going to do with my life? I don't know what's, what's next. What should I do? What do I want to be when I grow up? And my boss, Karen came in and talked about what she did. So she ran the community relations department mm -hmm. and that department does all of the player programming, hospital visits, school programs, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought, oh my gosh, I want to do this. <laughs> I want to figure out how to get this internship. So I talked to her and I applied and I went through, I think it was Oh, gosh, probably a month and change worth of uh, interviews. And I got the job. But of course, it was during spring break and I'd already gone home. Oh. So I had to drive home, drive wow. back to Phoenix or back to Tempe from Las Vegas, start my job, which went right into spring training. And so it was quite the it was quite the uh, experience. And so I was there, gosh, I think almost eight seasons. And I worked my way up from the intern all the way through to running the department yeah. and the foundation. That is so cool and i'm still a huge diamondbacks fan i'm assuming 
You know, I, we don't get to watch as much out here. That's yeah. the problem. I, I really, to be honest, I don't watch a ton of baseball. I'm watching the World Series right now. Of course. But um, we don't get a lot of, we don't get a lot of Diamondbacks baseball, so yeah. I don't get a chance to watch a lot of it. Yeah. That's, when I was growing up uh, in, the, in the Little League baseball teams that I would play on for, I think, five or six years of my life, we were the Diamondbacks oh. growing up. Which was Where did you grow up? Uh, I'm from Tulsa. I'm from yeah. Tulsa, okay. Born and raised, lived there my entire life. Uh, would like to branch out, but I love Tulsa a ton. It's, it's a great, you know, um, it's one of those, it was a really tough adjustment for me. Yeah. Um, I've never lived anywhere cold. Mm. And so that was unique coming to Tulsa right around Thanksgiving. It was cold. There was no sun for like two weeks and I mm. really didn't know what to do with that. And it was really, it was kind of a challenging environment to break into. We didn't have children and we were newly married and people from Tulsa all know each other. Yeah. And they really don't want new friends. <laughs> and so that was really tough, a tough go for me for a while. And then I started working out of a co-working space called 36 Degrees North. Mm -hmm. And I met friends and the majority of our, our friends that I had met at that point, one of them, one of the couple, member of the couples was from Tulsa and they had left and come back with a spouse. And so that's who we beca I became friends with these uh, because we all had a lot more in common. Yeah. So it was really a cool experience to be able to, it's been neat to see this evolution of, I remember how hard it was and how tough it was to adjust to a new place yeah and thank god i have a wonderful mother-in-law who was like let's go to the movies like <laughs> yay someone to hang out with um but how tough that was and how into this evolution of how i love this the state and yeah. tulsa and you've been able to make connections and grow and i just think it's so cool i mean then look and here i am at osu in a place i never <laughs> would have thought that i would be able to be a, to be a professor period let yeah. alone in somewhere new that i've created this this universe which is really kind of cool yeah um living living in tulsa my whole life and my parents lived there for a long time before i was there and we had this tight-knit community and i grew up in it mm -hmm. and and finally leaving tulsa and going to osu i came to the realization that it was such a tight-knit community mm -hmm. and everyone just wants to be comfortable um and i am guilty of this as well we don't like change um and so uh, that's one reason I like Tulsa, but I would like to branch out. And it's and always kind of good to bring back a different exactly. perspective. So yeah. I, I truly believe that that is. Yeah. I mean, we live three houses down from one of the houses my in-laws lived in. So I mean, oh, okay. it's a very as we as you know, it's a very small community, which mm. is just so different coming from these cities of Phoenix and Las Vegas and Singapore that were very transient. There were people. No one yeah. was really from there. Yeah. And so that was a totally different uh, mentality to switch to. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so what was kind of the the process of becoming a professor here at OSU. I know this is your first year. It is. Um, and I'm assuming you're enjoying it. I am. Yeah. It, I, I, growing up, all my friends were like, oh, I want to be a doctor. Oh, I want to be an astronaut, all those things. I always said like being a professor would, would be so cool. And that was, my parents thought I was so weird because I was always <laughs> like, I want to be a professor. And then coming to college, realizing that, you know, getting a PhD, you have to do a lot of research mm -hmm. and publications, and that's not really my kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So professor's not really in my wheelhouse anymore. But but that's not true. I mean, you there's uh, in the, the School of Entrepreneurship, there are professors of practice. Mm -hmm. So those are people who went out and had life experience yeah. and then came are coming in and teaching. So it is possible. It is doable. I, and I, I love it. I think it's such a, for me, and I told my class this today, I learned so much from them yeah. because it's it's things like brand. You know, I teach women and minorities in entrepreneurship mm -hmm. and the brands they come up with and the concepts and just the the overall cultural things that I'm learning, mm -hmm. I think is so important because we do get settled into our own ways and 
what all of our friends who are similar ages to us yeah. do and how they speak and what they what they embrace and where they go for fun, whatever that might be. And so I'm learning so much from them. And yeah. I think that is, to me, uh, is huge. And I said to them in the beginning, I'm not up here because I'm smarter than you. Mm -hmm. I'm up here because I'm older than you. Yeah. I've had more life experience and that doesn't make me smarter, mm -hmm. just makes me different, mm -hmm. makes me old. Uh, <laughs> and so I think that to me is the perspective of, I, I really wanna truly learn from them and and the process of, of getting here actually that you asked about originally. Um, I went back to get my MBA and one of the things I wanted to do with that was to teach. I just felt like that was something that I would really like to do and it yeah. would hopefully fit into my schedule with running last night's game. And I approached a friend of mine from 36 Degrees North, uh, Sarah Teague, who works at the Riata Center. And I yep. said, can I just pick your brain? I don't even know where to start with this. <laughs> She's like, let me connect you to some people. So yeah. that's kind of how it started. But it's always, always good to have people who kind of at least know what's going on. So I just said, I really am clueless. Could you help me figure <laughs> out what, how this works? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and one thing, uh, you know, working in the Riata Center, uh, and getting to know lots of entrepreneurship students as well as lots of entrepreneurship professors. It, it's a very tight-knit community, and everyone is willing to learn. Mm -hmm. And I've been to some of those classes. I've been in some of those classes, and those are some of the classes that there's the most participation I've ever seen. And like yep. you were saying, you know, you're, you're talking to your students, they're talking back and like you're mm -hmm. connecting with them. Whereas in some of my other classes, it's just like, you know, take notes. It's a one way street, gonna, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and that's boring. It, and let's very, all, let's all be honest. That's boring. Very, no one, no one learns just being talked at for an no. hour. That is just no painful. Yeah. And I told them that that is one of the things I, I don't want to sit here and I have to obviously teach you some things. Yeah. But let's have a dialogue because that to me is how we learn and we put these concepts into practice versus mm. me standing here and giving you a bunch of PowerPoint slides because that's painful for just as painful for me as it is for you. <laughs> I can't imagine some. <laughs> I, I, I swear some professors enjoy it and I just don't understand. I mean, it might be a support, you know, it might be what they're comfortable with, right? Yeah, it's just yeah. the one way conversation where I don't know, that's just not my, that's not my style or my personality. Yeah, absolutely. So be, being a professor and starting new, obviously you have last night's game and being a co-founder of that, being in, like you were saying, uh, being a professor of practice, how has that, you know, being a co-founder of last night's game, how has that helped you um, in your professorship here? Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, being an entrepreneur teaches you to be humble. Mm. I mean, you go from this huge win and then Ups five and minutes later, you're like, oh, this person's really mad about something. <laughs> so you really have these highs and lows. Yeah. And I would say taking that as well as um, I'm on, I'm an angel investor uh, through a group called Irish Angels, which I'm on the board of, and they're based in Chicago. And I would say a lot of those, all of that experience has helped me be this professor and speak to um, the projects that we're working on, the things that we're talking about. But it also helped me. So one of the big things we did in, in, our cl in my class is when we talked about something, we talked about, let's say, black entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. I brought in an entrepreneur who fits that mold. And so they could talk about it. They could talk about the challenges. We could ask questions. And I think that to me is really important because so much of entrepreneurship looks, if you're on, on Instagram, it looks beautiful. Yeah. It looks like these people are working from a lounge chair or they're Mark Zuckerberg with lots of money and yeah. out jet skiing and Going on France. vacation all the time. Right. Yeah. And that's that's not true mm -hmm. it all as as all things in life happen social media looks pretty yeah and so for me when i do any any talks or anything like that too it's to talk about the realness of being an entrepreneur mm -hmm. it's tough it's hard you're on your own it can be lonely 
And there are a lot of those pieces that I think uh, are able to translate into the classroom. So yeah. I do think that it's really important to be genuine, authentic, and be yourself and talk about some of those challenges because yeah. that's really it. But then also to utilize your friends who you've met who <laughs> are doing great things, who are great to learn from. Yeah. And that to me is, is huge. And that's, I mean, my brain works. I'm a connector by nature. But I think it's to me is so intriguing to be able to bring these people in and then be able to drive home the points you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, being a business student, you, you hear the phrase, it's not what you know, it's who you know mm -hmm. all the time. And a lot of it you know, is true, but you do need to know some things. But yep. who you know is very, very important as well. Absolutely. But I also think the ability to hustle mm. is it, right? If you yeah. show up and you're like, look, I will do whatever you want. Yeah. I will pull. I mean, that's how I was when I worked for the team. You want me to pull a dolly full of baseballs and high heels and a skirt? I will do it. <laughs> and But if you're willing, you show up and you're willing to hustle, maybe you not knowing everything or not knowing everybody. Yeah isn't as important yeah. because if you're willing to hustle, you're going to learn. Mm -hmm. And so I would say that, that, that humility of being able to ask the questions, but also saying, what do you need boss? You need me to go make copies to good. I'm in. And so yeah. I think that is combining all those together is just such a huge piece of, of that. Yeah. And not necessarily holding yourself to too high of a standard, you right. know, like, Oh, that's making copies. Oh, an intern can do that. Mm -hmm. or like a first year can do that. You know, I feel like, just being a grinder and willing to mm -hmm. do whatever happens, you know, that'll get you in the door a lot of the times, mm -hmm. but it'll also, you know, put you in the back of the mind like, oh, Amy does anything I ask her to mm -hmm. whenever I ask mm -hmm. her to. So she's the person that I go to when I need something. And I think that's true from a leadership standpoint, too. Yeah. If you're asking people to do something, but you're not willing to do it yourself. Oh, yeah. Then no one's going to no one's going to want to work for, for that. I mean, they're really not going to say if you're saying, OK, everybody should give. I had a boss who would always talk about all these things. Let's give to charity. I would like you to give hours and yeah. all these things, but then would never show up. Yeah. And that to me was like, well, this is great. And I'm having fun doing these things with my, my colleagues. Yeah. But if you're not showing up, then why am I really pushing to, to do this? Because yeah. apparently it's not a value that you really truly hold dear to your, dear to your heart. Yeah, absolutely. And just the, a couple of weeks ago, we had on uh, a guy named Matt Solens, who's the taproom manager at Stone Cloud, one of the breweries here. Mm -hmm. And that was one of his biggest points that he would hit at was like when he's managing his team, uh, even in a, a, a brewery, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, it's like business setting. It's totally different. It's not the same. Uh, but even a brewery, he's like, I would never ask the people that work under me something to do that I would do myself. He probably goes by and busts tables and picks up Absolutely. glasses and all the things that he asks everybody else to do. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. And he's there till close every night. You mm -hmm. know, he doesn't just throw everyone to the wolves, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, it's true. It's so true. It, it really is. And then you, you mentioned that you do a lot of other talks, like you have your own podcast. Mm -hmm. um, you, you've spoken, you're a professor, you speak to students <laughs> every week. Uh, and then you also had a TEDx talk as I did, well. Yes. Um, how has that been? Like, what made you want to give those talks? Um, what do you hope that you're getting across to your listeners and your viewers? I would say I've done all of those because someone asked. Yeah. Uh, and I just did, actually did a, a talk at the Idea Center at Notre Dame, and mm -hmm. it's because someone asked. Yeah. And so what I try to convey is, once again, going back to that authenticity mm. of this is really what it looks like. Mm -hmm. This is some of the challenges. Here's what I look for as an investor in a company. And so yeah. those are all things that I try to take the experience I have that might be unique and different than people in the room yeah. and turn that to be a learning opportunity. Um. I would say that's really truly how that works. But the TEDx thing was um, 
was interesting. A, a gentleman I worked with came up to me and said, hey, we, we have a spot. I think you should do this. Mm-hmm. And they're like, it's in a couple of weeks. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll figure it out. So he did help me give me some structure. But it was, it's nerve-wracking. Oh, yeah. It really is. I've and, heard that process is, they're so cutthroat with it. Mm-hmm. They make you do your presentation. If you miss, like, a word, they make you redo it. You know, to stuff. be honest, I didn't have that experience. Maybe okay. because I came in late. Okay. But uh, the thing I did love about it is, nobody's talking about the same thing. So it's not like we're Miss America or something. No one's talking about the same thing. So you get out there and everyone's encouraging because you're teaching them something different than the person before you. Yeah. And so that part was really cool. And to be honest, I don't think I'd seen many TEDx or uh, TED Talks before that. Mm. So it was probably to my my benefit because I didn't have any idea of sort of the legacy that is really truly meant for that. But maybe if I would have, I might have practiced a little harder, but I think it all worked itself out. Oh, you know, yeah. no one threw their shoe or anything at me. So I think that was okay. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's absolutely. I, I personally love TED Talks. I could sit for hours oh my gosh. and just scroll through YouTube and everything. Someone told me there's a TED Talk app. And then if you watch too many of them, it sort of reminds you like Netflix, like, are you still here? <laughs> Maybe you should get up and, and it makes you take a brain break. Oh, wow. And get up and go do something and stop watching for a few minutes. That's honestly good because some of those are just so much knowledge in mm-hmm. your head that like it's you almost need like 30 minutes to an mm-hmm. hour to process afterwards mm-hmm. uh, but they're so awesome and they really are and i love that people are passionate and you're finding and i always say people are their own like you're your own version of smart yeah what you're good at i'm probably not good at we might have some things in common but yeah. i am good at what i'm good at and you're good at what you're good at so we have all have our own version of smart and that's what i love about ted talks you have people come in and they're like let's talk about you know, getting your, getting your dog trained. And then let's talk about how I'm passionate about how the one I watched uh, that I really love. And I always talk about is, um, pay nonprofit CEOs as much as you would pay a corporate CEO with a similar budget Mm -hmm. and how that's really important because you're asking them to do a big job with this running the same amount of money essentially. Mm -hmm. And so, but how these people have found their passion topics and really just jumped on a soapbox essentially. Yeah. That, that, I mean, in a sense, they're glorified soapboxes of right? people that you know are very passionate about one specific thing and mm-hmm. they make a talk about mm-hmm. it. And like you were saying earlier, it's when you're there. I've spoken to a couple people who have given um, TED talks. When you're there, everyone is interested in what you're talking mm-hmm. about, no matter what it is. It's true. Every person that's listening, every person that's giving a talk, you know, they all want to hear what you're what you have to say. Absolutely. And I personally have never been in an environment like that. No. Um, but I feel like that would be just incredible. It's you know, pretty It's no, pretty cool. Nobody's just waiting for their chance to speak. You right. Know? They're invested in what you're saying. When you look out in the audience, there's no cell phones. No. No one's got nothing. their phone checking their email. Yeah. And that, for better or for worse, is is the environment. And it's, it's, it's pretty cool. That would be awesome. I mean, bucket list item. I was right going to say, add give that to your it, list. Give it TED Talk. You could do it. I mean, do you have TEDx o, uh, OSU? You, I know OU has one. I know we, we've had a few. Just sign up next time you yeah, see it. And there's another one called, I think, Ignite, which is a similar concept. I'd be willing to concept. travel for it, too. Yeah, there's, I think they do that in Tulsa, maybe at TU. So just keep an eye out for it. Hmm. I think you could do it. I should. I know you could do what it. What would I talk about? Hmm. 
Well, I'm just the host here. I just ask the questions. I don't know a lot about <laughs> entrepreneurship myself. Like I said, I've only taken the intro class, but I am learning a lot. I see. There you go. I'm sure the wonderful you. guests I have on the show. And maybe you could do, you know, yours could be about like the story of people or something oh. like that. You could find a whole little spin wow. to it. Okay. I'm going to put, uh, <laughs> whenever I sign up for one, I'm just going to be like, hey, Amy, what should I talk yeah, about? Yeah, exactly. Done. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about last night's game. Okay. Um, that's. I don't want to say your claim to fame, but that's a large part of what you've done. It's my soapbox. In your, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so how did that kind of come about? What was the idea behind it? You know, you're a co-founder, and so you and your partner are partners. My brother, yeah. Brother. Mm -hmm. uh, what was the kind of, you know, I'm trying to think of the word for it, like the, the Kickstarter, right. you know, like what made you want to start that? Well, so when I was working for the Diamondbacks, uh, I was at a game with one of my girlfriends. And the guys are running off the field. And she said, what are they doing? And I said, well, they have three outs. Mm -hmm. She said, what's an out? And I thought, okay, <laughs> well, I didn't realize what an advantage I had as a woman knowing what I know about sports. Yeah. It allowed me to enter into conversations, to have a seat at the table. Mm -hmm. You were the one who got invited to go have beers after the game because <laughs> you, you were, you were that kind of leveled the playing field, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. And so I thought, oh, my gosh, this is – it's not about the box score. There's so much about sports that are so much more interesting than the box score. Mm -hmm. How do I relay that? to friends like this mm -hmm. and how can they learn and use that as their own advantage yeah uh, in their male the male dominated environments they work in and so i had this idea and i called my brother and he is the reason i know so much about sports and so i called him and said hey i really think we've got to figure out a way to to teach people about sports in an easy to understand sort of pop yeah. culture way because yeah. there's so much happening that's not on the field mm -hmm. And I was like, let's, I think, God, you could use it for an advantage for dating or for networking and all these things. And he was in high school and he said, well, Amy, you're, you're working 80 hours a week and I'm in high school. Like, how is this going to work? And that was before Squarespace and MailChimp and all those yeah. things to, to make your own website and to, to send email blasts. That really just wasn't a thing. And so it's like, okay, cool idea. Let's just put it in the back of our minds. Table and so, for a minute. Mm -hmm. And so, gosh, it was probably 13 or 14 years after that moment, wow. when I moved from Singapore to Tulsa, yeah, I moved at Thanksgiving time, and I had been looking for the three months we knew we were going to move for a job in Tulsa, yeah, and there was just nothing. Wow. Oil was down. It was there was just nothing. I think all I could find that was in my kind of career section was uh, writing descriptions for real estate in the newspaper, like you know, two bedroom, three yeah. bathroom type of thing. And I thought, okay, well, it's Thanksgiving. No one's going to really hire. People don't hire much between Thanksgiving mm -hmm. and New Year's. Mm -hmm. So I talked to my brother. I said, what if we just give this an idea a go? Like, let's just try it. Give it a shot. Give it a shot. And so it started out very ugly. <laughs> it was a Gmail email that would go out to basically anybody who I knew, and I just put them in the BCC, and we would send it out with a link so to like a website. So it's like kind of a weekly newsletter thing. That it was, was yeah. It was, every, it was Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Okay. And it was much more of a recap of games, maybe cool things that happen in these games. Yeah. But really... That all, was all sports, all sports. Okay. But it sort of was one of those when it started, like if lean startup says, if your product isn't, is attractive when you roll it out, you've started too late. Yeah. And it was ugly. I'll be very honest. Our baby was ugly. <laughs> and so we've slowly fine tuned that as we've come along into a triweekly email publication. Yeah. And my theory with that is we all get news all the time. Yeah. Three days a week gives you time to digest it and use it. Absolutely. And so that's sort of my thought process on that. And, I really believe in short and sweet. I don't have a lot of time to be able to read a lot. So something that comes mm -hmm. in my inbox and is short and sweet, 
I'm in. Absolutely. And informative and entertaining. That's the whole point is we find really like the entertaining side of things. Yeah. And so the, the, the email, tri- the email publication is three days a week and it's a three to four minute read. Mm. And so that's my whole goal is you need to be out the door in and out the door and learn something. Yeah. And so we've taken it from that sort of ugly baby with a Gmail email with a link to it, to what it is now. And it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's been, I would say there's, there's been obviously growth challenges yeah. and starting your own business and trying to figure out how to be the IT department, the accounting department, the yeah. lawyer mm. and all the things all at the same time are, are challenging. So that's, <laughs> that's one of the reasons too, I went back to get my MBA was because I was doing all these things and I need, I felt like I needed to better understand what was happening. Yeah. So with your MBA, why Notre Dame? I looked at programs, and so I my son was one at that point, mm. and so I started to look at programming, um, mostly at the at the um, encouragement of one of my uh, colleagues from Irish Angels. She said, "Do it while your son's little, because a he doesn't know you're gone, True. and um, like you're just going to have more time now than you're not missing birthday parties and all the things, sporting events." I said, "Okay," so I started looking. And I looked at a handful of them, and Notre Dame had a short program. It doesn't mm-hmm. exist any longer, but it was an 18-month program. Mm-hmm. And it was in Chicago, so I knew it was just a flight. Yeah. And it was every other week. So it was every other Friday okay. and Saturday all day. Wow. And so I thought, give it a go. My yeah. husband went to, to Notre Dame for his undergrad, and so we we're kind of familiar with the school itself. And so I went for my interview, and... I had flown into Chicago for the interview, had the interview, literally turned around, got back in the Uber and went back to the airport to fly home. And my flight ended up being like four hours late. Oh, wow. And I rolled in to Tulsa at midnight. Everybody was asleep when I got home. And I remember actually crying on the way home, being like, <laughs> what the heck am I thinking I can do this? This is just dumb. Yeah. I was like, okay, God, if this is what I'm supposed to do, yeah. then I'll get in. Yeah. If I don't get in, I, it's okay. That's mm-hmm. not a big deal. Life will go on. Yeah. I'll figure it out. And so when I got in, I got in, I thought, all right, um, how are we going to do this? And so we, we made it work. I mean, for better or for worse, COVID gave us a reprieve because mm-hmm. my husband travels a lot for work. Yeah. And so he wasn't traveling at all. Mm-hmm. And I was. So he and my son got to spend time together, which That's was great, versus yeah. us trying to shuffle a kid and who's going to watch him today, who's yeah. going to take him to school, all those things. And so it worked out in our favor for that. Um, but it was a it was a process. I think it was telling you a story of you know finishing a final at two a.m. on a Saturday night. And it's like that's that's just how it worked, and that's just what you had to do to make it all make all the ends meet. So yeah, that's very impressive that you did that. I don't think I could have. You um, just you keep going. I don't know how I did it. To be quite honest with you, I didn't sleep yeah. a lot. And Is it kind of like blurred in the kind back of, of your head? Now? Yes, it's like you don't really remember all of it. Well, and you the, the program was so quick that you were learning an entire semester's worth of content in right. four weeks. Mm. And so imagine statistics was the worst because we were doing it online because of COVID. Yeah, you mentioned me that test oh before my as gosh, you're walking it up was, here. It was awful. And so you're in this class and it's all this quant and all these numbers. <sighs> and I'm going, oh my gosh, what, what did I get myself into? This is awful. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I told you the story that uh, I had finished this, this final for my statistics class at 2 a.m. And I still have the cork from the, the little bottle of champagne I had in, the, in, our, in our fridge. And I wrote on it. This is the first time I failed a test in my MBA. <laughs> uh, something I wrote something on it. And it still sits in my desk drawer because it's kind of that reminder of remember how hard that was. That yeah. really sucked. Yeah. And you made it. You survived. You graduated with great grades. Well, not, maybe not great grades. It was no sort of honor student, but graduated with <laughs> enough grades to to walk with cords. And 
it doesn't matter, right? No, yeah. MBA is still an MBA, whether you however have the you three, finish it. You have the three letters. Right. And so it was kind of one of those of you can do hard things. Yeah. It's just a reminder that when you're in it, it's hard. It's yeah. it's terrible sometimes. But yeah. you know what? You figure it out. And that is the story of life, right? Yeah. You just figure it out. The story of entrepreneurship. Just figure it out. <laughs> yeah. And you you had some experience in hard times and just figuring it out, you know, with starting last night's game mm-hmm. and then going to mm-hmm. to the NBA. Have you seen the the benefits of that NBA in last night's game? I think so. Yeah. I would say, I mean, I don't think I could probably exactly quantify it, but I would think so because the yeah. thought process is different. I think differently mm-hmm. about things now. Um, I would say it also really has helped me uh, in my investing side of things as yeah. an angel investor because now I'm looking at things with a different lens. I understand what the balance yeah. sheet really means yeah. and what they're looking for and what a kager is. Like I didn't yeah. know what any of those things are. <laughs> and you're sitting in these meetings with all these smart people and they're discussing these things and I'm writing little notes in the corner of my notepad. And then look up Kager, look up, you know, what is ARR? And so it's all those things. Assets equals liabilities. You're right. I mean, all those things, right, that you're going, I have no idea what this means. And you're faking it. But I really kind of, those were things I felt like I really needed to learn. And so I would say overall, I think the thought process and the way I think think of things is so much different. Yeah. So maybe it's not quantifiable in the sense of, um, I do my own accounting now. Absolutely not. If something has to do with the federal government. <laughs> I'm an accounting major. I do. Really okay, well, I will hire you so when you're you, done. You're saying investor is kind of like opposite sizes. <laughs> right, right. Risks, no risks. No, at right, all exactly. Over here. And so do I do my own accounting? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. But do I know the right questions to ask the accountant? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Do I know the right questions to ask the lawyer? Yes. Yeah. There are certain things I think that when it's legal or re- relies on the federal government, I don't screw with that. I don't want to mess that up. Mm-hmm. And so those are things that, you know, obviously you still hire out, but at least yeah. you know the right questions or you know how to present the the case that you're giving to them. And so I think that is a huge piece of of knowing that. I believe in being a jack of all trades. Yeah. And so you really do. And that's that's kind of how I feel about last night's game. It For an individual, it's just another tool in your tool belt yeah. of success. Mm-hmm. And so I don't expect you to become a... ESPN sideline reporter off of last night's game, but could you engage in a conversation? And oh yeah. I mean, especially with the holidays coming up, there's nothing worse than talking for the 17th time to someone about the weather. Mm. And so if you're able to know just a little bit, yeah, it's so important. And so absolutely. that is, that's how kind of how I feel about the NBA. It's continued to make me a jack of all trades in different industries. Yeah, absolutely. If, if based on your experience with last night's game, if you were speaking to say I was attempting to start a business from mm-hmm. scratch with mm-hmm. my sister. Right. Um, what would be one, if you could only give me one piece of advice, what would that be? Oh my gosh, buckle no. in. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I would say you really have to trust your gut, but okay. also be open to feedback. As, as weird yeah. as that sounds, because I, I think the hardest part for me when we started this business and I, I did my first 1 million cups presentation in Tulsa and I said, okay, here's our business. Here's what we're doing. Yeah. And people are like, oh, are you doing Facebook ads? Are you doing this? Have you been doing this? Have you been doing that? And all of a sudden, you're overwhelmed with all of these ideas. Mm-hmm. And you're going, I have no idea which end is up, right? Yeah. I mean, Facebook ad. I mean, I know enough to be dangerous to place place my own Facebook ads. But yeah. am I the social media expert? Absolutely not. Yeah. And I'm going to waste, and I have done it. I'm going <laughs> to learn from me. I'm going to waste <laughs> more money placing my own ads than I would by Hiring someone, someone who could do this and yeah. help me place them. More effective. It's right. They're more effective. And so I would say you have to really trust your gut and know yeah. your brand. Um, find out why your brand is different. That's a big thing I see from from all sides is the differentiator. What makes you different? Yeah. And own that. Yeah. And so I think that is a key 
and trust your gut as you go through that and say, okay, well, I don't really think that, you know, my, my popsicle company, I don't really think I want it to be boozy popsicles. I really <laughs> think I want it to be kids oriented and I want it to be this. Yeah. That's what I'm going to stick to, even though the market for boozy popsicles is escalating 80%. Great. But if that's what your gut really tells you. And that's what you really feel like you need to do. Then do it. Yeah. And so, because you have to be passionate about it. Sort of like the TED Talks, like you have to be passionate about it. Otherwise, you're the one who's out there, you know, promoting the company. You're the one who's the face of the company and you're doing all the hard work. And if you're not passionate about it. can't it, be a lie. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. And I mean, I think that in, in a career, that's a career advice in general. Yeah. It's so hard to sell a company that you don't believe in. Exactly. And so I, I, I and I see that. And that's one thing I really respect about the students here. And the, what I've learned from them is. They're willing to do maybe the stuff that's a little more challenging or risk a little bit more, but be a part of something they believe in Yeah. versus I just want the big paycheck and I'm going to go work for this big company here, X, Y, Z, because it pays me well. Yeah. And so that is, it, it's, but it's a real, I, I'm really impressed by that. And that's why I think you see this yeah. change in entrepreneurship and this shift because people want to create something they're passionate about. Yeah, absolutely. And with, with that gut feeling did you ever have a time where, you know, you went with your gut and it didn't turn out well mm -hmm. and you kind of had that, you know, that brain like thinking, why am I even doing this anymore? Yep. Like what made you push through that? I, th I think imposter syndrome is, yeah. I mean, I wear that like a, a giant hat. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's true. You sit here all the time and think, what am I doing? Yeah. I mean, whether that's a TikTok video or... <laughs> Um, just a new idea. And, and I mean, the nice part is it's, it's the two of us, right? So we can really flex and that we're not this huge, we're not ESPN. The giant corporation. Right. Yeah. So if we make a mistake, people will notice, but it's not going to be something that lands on the front page of oh, the newspaper. Yeah. yeah. And so for us, we have that ability to kind of be a little bit more nimble. Yeah. And so I, I like that about it. I like that just Let's wing it. Okay, that's not quite working this way. Mm. So what if we tweak it a little bit like this? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, Scott has, he's a kind of, he's this great idea guy. And he comes up with all these rogue ideas, which I really love. And he's like, let's try this. Okay, let's try it. Why not? What do we have to lose? Our time? Great. I mean, it is what it is. Let's try something. Maybe it works. Maybe we learn something along the way. And so I think there is something about failing forward, mm -hmm. where if you learn something from it, great. If it fails, it happens. If your business fails, that happens too. And that's okay because failure is not a bad thing. It's not a oh, four yeah. letter word. No. Failing forward, learn something from that and use that to project you into the next thing. Absolutely. And I like how you mentioned imposter syndrome there. Cause I have that sometimes too. For me, it's, I'm a huge soccer fan. Mm -hmm. And whenever I hear, you know, 17 year old soccer phenom makes his debut on the professional scene mm -hmm. i just sit on the couch and i'm like what the heck am i doing <laughs> yeah. with my life and here i well i mean that's, i'm slaving away studying for a tax test like right right and, and that is but i mean it, it, i think it, that imposter syndrome is truly and i think it's become even more inflated with social media because you're seeing like we said you're seeing all these people out here doing these yeah. great things or this company has a million followers and you're over here doing your thing. You're like, well, we're authentic. We haven't bought anybody. We're just trying to really organically grow things. Yeah. And you're thinking, but why am I doing this? Does this translate into signups? Does this mm -hmm. translate into sales? Yeah. Why am I bothering? And so that is I, that happens all the time. Yeah. I'll be honest. It happens probably at least once a day. <laughs> 
And so I think that's normal. Yeah, I think absolutely. that's normal. And I, I would tell you, I mean, I've never interviewed Mark Zuckerberg, but I bet I could tell you he has something like that that he is uh, yeah. is uncomfortable with that oh, he does. I would be concerned if, if somebody told me that never happened to them. Right. Yeah. Like right. you're just totally confident in 100%? No. No. There's no way. I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe not be confident in making like mac and cheese for dinner. So there's got to be something that they're not good at, yeah. right? Yeah. Or absolutely. uncomfortable with. Absolutely. Uh, well, we always like to finish out these podcasts with uh, some lightning round trivia questions. Okay, let's do it. But I did hear uh, from a little bird that you are pretty good at Super Bowl trivia. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and so I think I, I've got some Super Bowl trivia questions for okay. you. So we're going to see uh, if that little this birdie was really true or not. This could be embarrassing. I wouldn't be too nervous. Don't worry. Uh, so first one, we'll start off a little easy, but what quarterback had the nickname Broadway Joe? Joe Montana? Ooh. I don't know. You... I'm terrible. I, you know I'm not what? really good at sports. What? No, I'm not that good at sports. So the little birdie did lie to me. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, I'm not that good at sports. I have great trivia, but most of mine oh, is not. Oh, you have great trivia. Yeah, okay. most of mine is not, but I mean, we could try it. Let's go. Okay. Well, it's Joe Namath. That Joe, Joe Namath. That makes sense. Well, I mean, him and his fur coats on the sideline. Yeah. 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 That yep. makes sense. Yep. Uh. And then what other what what player has won two consecutive MVPs during the Super Bowl? Tom Brady. He's won it twice, but not consecutively. Mm. So that was a great guess. How far back do I have to go? Uh I'll give you a range. It's between nineteen seventy and nineteen ninety. Oh gosh, I wasn't even really old enough to be in to know that. Let's say nineteen seventy, nineteen. Steve Young. Close. Terry Bradshaw. Okay. Yeah, Great guesses, though. Better, I mean, you're doing a lot better than I would have Terry done. Terry Bradshaw has just given himself a whole new life with all of his shows and everything. Like <laughs> yeah, that. Absolutely. He is now a name. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, I've seen that show. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, so what team has played in four Super Bowls but never led with points at any time? Oh, my gosh. This is a tough one. Um, do I get a hint? Can I get like a team color? <laughs> uh, I think that would kind of give it away. I'll, I'll try to think of one. Um, hmm. Too. They are a northern team. The Packers. Mm, right, in, right next to them. The Viking. No, not the Vikings. 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 Ah. The Minnesota Vikings. Well, so you could have said purple. I've only been like them yeah. and the Ravens, but that's true. That's true. <laughs> well, that was all the questions I had. But Perfect. we uh, really, really appreciate you coming you on the show. Uh, I think some of the the stuff we talked about could be very beneficial i know it was for me so i hope some of our listeners can get that too but uh is there any last words you want to say no go forth go forth and conquer and you're gonna have a time where you want to do something and you're not sure you should do it just do it absolutely just do it i'm gonna i'm gonna put that on a notification on my phone every morning go forth and conquer go amy sigrid <laughs> <laughs> quoted that now but yeah thank you for coming on we really appreciate it uh, and wish you the best of luck with last night's game and your professorship here Thank you. And if you have my class, please chime in, please yes. sign up, all the things, right? Be involved. Exactly. <laughs>